Thank you for joining us on Warrior Women Speak. I'm Judge Rosemary Aquilina, author of Just Watch Me, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sherry Botwin, LCSW, social worker and trauma specialist and author of Thriving After Trauma, Stories of Living and Healing. We have created this podcast for your enjoyment and so that we all can talk about our issues and learn together about how to deal with trauma and those things that spring up in our everyday life. Please join us for every episode and let us know what you want to talk about. Now for the show. Everyone grieves differently and we will all experience the trauma of death and the loss and grief that we feel is going to be different for everyone, but we need to learn to cope with it. And traumatic grief is a term that describes when an individual is experiencing both grief and trauma at the same time. However, we can't always figure out if it's traumatic grief or just natural grief and loss that you feel because trauma is something that is an emotional response to a terrible event. And death is a terrible event, but the trauma left behind is a little bit different than just grieving. Am I right? You're a hundred percent right. As you were just talking about that, I was thinking about different people that I've been talking to through the last few weeks who have developed symptoms of PTSD because of how they reacted to the loss of somebody that they loved. Well, and there's been a lot of loss lately. I know you and I were talking about Aaron Carter, who's the brother of Backstreet Boys, Nick Carter. And I just love the Backstreet Boys. My kids laugh at me, but I could listen to them (laughs) all day long. So when I read about that death, it really hit home. I, I felt a little bit like grieving myself because Nick was hurt and I don't, I didn't know Aaron. I haven't followed him. I don't know much about him, but you know, I feel like through the music, I know Nick and the rest of the boys and um, it hurt, but I don't even know him personally. And so um, imagine how their friends and family feels. And I know he was um, traumatized by the death of his sister and father what do you think about the relationship there? The relationship between your reaction or the relationship uh, between- I think, well, any of it. So my reaction, yeah. I think that's kind of, we all feel that like when Princess Diana, I didn't know her either, yeah. but I still am upset about that. But I don't, I'm not anorexic. I don't lose sleep over it. I, you know, I can eat those kinds of things, but I just, I feel that pain. But what about, you know, Aaron Carter, the loss of him in that relationship from the trauma of his sister and father dying, are they related? I think they're definitely related. And it's interesting because when I was reading about his loss, um, it, one of the things that they talked about in most of the articles was how it was his dad's death that really threw, threw him over the edge. And that was five years ago. One of the things that I noticed um, I was watching Dancing with the Stars and don't make fun of me because I love that show. And I didn't, I knew he was on it, but I didn't remember as I was watching the show. So they're having like this show where everybody's dancing and there's so much happy 
all of a sudden, about 15 minutes into the show, they announce that he had died because he was on the show. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. And one of the things that kind of drove me nuts about that was they, they acknowledged that he passed away, but they didn't really say anything about what happened or why. So it was almost like I'm listening to the hosts talk about it. And I felt like sort of same reaction as you almost like a, like my gut felt like it was getting struck almost. And I think there was a combination of sadness because you could feel the whole room. I mean, this was on TV, but I could feel the whole room just sort of goes silent. And then they take a moment to acknowledge, but then they move on to the next dance. So I feel like, you know, one of the things again, over and over that I think about when I think about these sudden losses and how it affects people is we're not really talking about what happens after the person is found in the bathtub. What happens after we find out that someone has committed suicide or somebody has died suddenly of a heart attack. We're not talking about the lives that are affected. Clearly what you're describing is somebody that you don't even know. There's something about the loss. And I, I know you, I know things that have happened to you. I know some about your losses. So I could sit here as a therapist and be like, well, I could imagine that it hit buttons from this, that, and the other thing. One of the things I think is important about this show is that we focus on how to help people who are survivors of these tragic losses. It's heartbreaking when you think about what happened to Aaron. You know, I feel like sometimes when I hear these stories, I think that can't actually be so. What do you mean like he's not here anymore? When when I heard about Anne Heche over the summer, I was like, flabbergasted. And I think for me, what struck me was there was so much hostility about how she died. People were basically saying, well, she shouldn't have done what she did. She could have killed other people because she was driving in a car. She drove her car into a house because she was high on something. And I'm thinking, do you know her story? Have you read her story? Not, not to make excuses for her, but to say, this is somebody who died because of her losses. She was a sexual abuse survivor. She had developed all types of problems after her childhood. She was estranged from her mom, all these things. And everybody was just focused on the choice she made in that moment and that she could have hurt other people, but nobody. Was, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say that's what you're describing is also very true of Aaron Carter. He had dysfunctional relationships with his parents. I think both of them and I think the kids all got along, but when you have the person who loves and raises you and you look up to as a little kid and there's this tension for whatever reason, um, and you don't have that strong support system in any other fashion, that's what happens, isn't it? Isn't, aren't there similarities here? There's definitely similarities. And I think what happens when you lose somebody tragically, he lost his dad in 2017 it probably wasn't overnight that he became more despondent and more despairing. These type of losses don't, they don't really feel real for many people. It takes a while to really actually know that one of my parents in his situation is no longer here. People will describe, they will talk to me and say things like, I just kept thinking I could call him. And then one day it just hits me and it doesn't usually hit people 
a week or two later, sometimes what happens with grief is you kind of just keep living. You know, you're expected to go back to work and school and all these things. And then something will trigger the finality of the person's death or something, whether it's a birthday or a wedding or a holiday. So I don't know for him what happened, but it's been five years since his dad died. And from what I'm reading, he fell apart, but he didn't fall apart the next day. Over the course of these last five years, he was getting himself into all kinds of trouble. He was struggling with all types of depression and drug abuse, all these different things. And I think, again, when something awful happens, we as human beings don't want it to be so. We want to make it like it didn't happen and we want to just keep living. But if we don't find ways to acknowledge and deal with our feelings as they happen, we're going to be having post-traumatic stress disorder. We're going to be going to an eating disorder or drugs or whatever, whatever substance or whatever self-care strategy you feel works for you, even though usually it ends up being self-destructive. I always like to believe that men and women are capable of doing the same kinds of things, but there are differences. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit that. I think that's just very human. And there's a difference, I think, for men, not all men, but many men who lose their fathers really go off the deep end for many, many reasons. But I think one of them that really comes to mind is that I think as women, we're apt to ask for help, go to counseling and see it as a strength, not a weakness. But men are raised in our society differently. And they're not about to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go see a therapist. I need help. And I think that more men ought to realize that's a sign of strength and we should encourage that. But I suspect that Aaron and, and lots of men don't seek the kind of help they need to deal with the loss of their father or whoever in their life. Yeah. And especially when they lose their father, there's that, um, you know, now I could die or now I'm responsible or there's just so much that they miss. And they think about, oh, my dad and I always had breakfast together. My dad taught me this or taught me that. And now I'm an orphan kind of feeling when they should really have someone like you to help flip that script into, I am blessed because I loved him and still love him. I am blessed because I knew him. I am strong. I am going to live positively because I deserve that. And when we're reunited, we will have some laughs about what's going on or whatever it is. There's lots of positive affirmations that could come of it, but it has to be developed after you go through what's left behind, which is the questions, the guilt, the grief, the pain. It could be disbelief, shock, uh, emptiness. You know, people get stuck in their own stuff and it's like Groundhog Day every single day. They relive the same questions and the same grief and they need someone to unstick them. And that someone is a trained trauma therapist, right? I mean, I think so. And, you know, as you're talking about it, I have, I'm thinking about two different examples that are coming up in my life. One is somebody that I met a few months ago, a, a lovely guy who lost his dad less than a year ago. And I have worked with people who have lost their dads. He's not the first person that I've met, but what you were just talking about, about the differences between men and women and the expectations that men feel about grief and even just the idea of mortality and him recognizing, well, what if something happens to me? Because he has his own family that he's 
He's got two kids and a wife. Um, and I think, you know, he, this person that I'm working with, he's an example of how to do it different. Unlike most people, he, he sought help a few months after his dad died. He didn't wait 10 years. And the irony of this, which it's so ironic, I think, but his friends were the ones that told him to go to therapy, not his wife. His friends were saying, I feel like you're going away. I feel like you're disappearing. I feel like you are, I mean, they knew that he had lost his dad, but they were worried about him. And one of the things that we've been talking about in the work is just what it feels like to lose your dad. And in his situation, it was a complicated relationship. And I think Aaron Carter, I think his relationship with his dad was complicated. So there's that whole piece too, when you lose somebody and it's not all sad, but there's anger, there's resentment, and there's no way to process all that because if somebody dies and we don't know they're going to die, we don't get that closure. So I feel yeah. like, you know, as you're saying that I'm thinking about that, but I'm also thinking about, and if I'm going off topic, then just bring me back. Cause I don't want to miss it. Sure. I think you're right on topic. In <laughs> fact, you know, I think your, your client had that support group, that friend group, it wasn't an actual grief support group, but they he had a really good group of friends, which I think is more true for women to have those friends where you know, they're going to call us out. Hey, that dress looks terrible. Hey, you know, you need to go to treatment. You need whatever. We, we sort of do that to each other. I don't think men have those kind of support groups. So your client is really fortunate. And I think Aaron Carter didn't have the kind of support he needed. Yeah. And I don't know with him, if people tried to get Aaron to get more help, I don't know enough about his life. One of the things about this client that I'm working with that kind of makes me a little bit nuts is he's telling me the only person in his life that he feels judged by is his wife. He says his wife th says things like, you got to like, stop it already. You got to like, you got to stop being upset. You got to stop being afraid. He's been mostly afraid of dying since his dad died. And he went through recently some health issues where he had to get tests like MRI, CAT scan, for him, it felt like his whole world was crashing. He was so, so, so afraid. And when we were talking about how his wife is the one person who's the most disgusted with him and the most frustrated, it's almost like the opposite of what you're saying in terms of like the stereotypes. In this situation, he's like the quote unquote female and she's like the quote unquote male who's saying, you know, get over it. So I think there are differences, but I also feel like in this situation, one of the things that he said to me when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago is he said he thinks his wife has had trauma that she hasn't dealt with. And that's why she's not emotionally available for him. And he's not, he doesn't do therapy for a living. He's not a therapist, but he has enough insight that he can sense I'm living with somebody who's pushing something away. And that's why she's telling me, you got to stop it. Sounds like, yeah, she's got the issue of I've cut myself off. My feelings are cut off. And so I don't have to feel the pain. And he has the, the opposite effect uh, where he feels the pain and it's um, causing him all sorts of problems, including uh, causing himself 
bodily pain because that's part of the trauma. I suspect those tests came back negative. I don't know this, um, the tests came back negative because he's taking that trauma, internalizing it, and it's turning out into symptoms of illness. You, I mean, you're a smart woman over there because if he heard you right now, he'd be like, how did she know? How mm-hmm. did she know that he has back pain, neck pain? Um, he developed some type of an infection that manifested in, in such a way that he was having pain in his eye and he does have an infection that is actually real, but his doctors are saying to him, doctors who again, aren't therapists are saying to him, you are so tightly wound. What is the stress that's going on in your body? And this is again, somebody that has had a history of some depression and anxiety, but never in therapy, never treated and never experienced a loss like he has with his dad. And he will say to me, I feel like my gut is wrenching and I don't understand like what this is all about. And then we talk about where he sort of is absorbing and holding some of these emotions. And for him, again, the loss of his dad is very new. A few months is not, I think it's been seven months now. That might sound like a long time, but it's not. The first year of loss for somebody is, it's it's like brand new. It takes a while to really be able to acclimate or integrate the idea that I'm still here, but my dad or mom, in this situation, my dad, he's not. It takes a while. Well, and people can feel anxious just out of fear of losing others because they don't want to ever feel that pain again. They can have nightmares, um, be depressed from the loss, feel guilty. I lived and why am I here? And you're not, uh, they can isolate themselves and they can also have guilt. Like I should have done more. I should have made sure he went to the doctor, took his medicine, all those kinds of things that really we don't have control over. I don't know who out there believes in God, but I believe in God. I think it's all written already. We just have to live the best possible life till he takes us, however he takes us. And when he takes us, you know, the people around us are going to respond and God knows that too. And there's a place for all of us to grieve and to heal and to move forward in our lives because it's not our time yet. And I really think living my best life For example, you know, the trauma, I'm still traumatized by my grandfather's death, but I've resolved it. I talk to him all the time. I do a lot of things in his memory, but I also know that if he were here, he would be saying, do the best, live the best, be happy and do that for yourself. But you'll make me happy by doing that. And that is a huge comfort to me, but it took me a long time to get there. And I think people who are grieving also become uh, fixated on, you know, what's the meaning of my life? Where am I going? Why am I here? What am I going to do? And they start also killing off their relationships. So they isolate themselves and they really numb themselves out to living that kind of full life. Cause they think they don't deserve it. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I want to ask you a question because when you're talking about your grandfather, oh. I'm thinking, okay, listen, you might be a good person I'm not, you, you're a good person right now to ask this question of, so I know I've, I talked to you about, we just lost somebody in our community a couple of weeks ago. Um, one of, one of my little guy's friends, um, lost his mom suddenly. And this is a woman that, you know, we all knew Andrew used to take dance class with his kid, with one of the boys. I used to carpool with her. She actually, 
when I was writing my book, Thriving After Trauma, I did a lot of writing when we were at dance class, they were in hip hop. And she was very curious and interested in what I was writing about. So we had a lot, a lot of conversations about trauma and depression. And uh, we sort of, we lost, I don't want to say we, we weren't friends anymore, but we kind of grew apart. You know, kids sort of, they they become friends with different people. We kind of grew apart. When I found out about her death, I, I mean, I still don't really have any words because I'm, you know, this is not my, she's not my job. If that makes sense, this is somebody in my community. You know, even right. now when I drive, there's, I know where she lives. I've been to her house a million times. Um, the kid, the, the funeral was, I guess a week and a half ago. So the kids just went back to school. I think the beginning of either this week or the end of last week. Um, and as you're talking about your grandfather, I'm thinking about Max and Griffin, because these are boys that are 12 and 10. And I can't tell you details about her relationship with her sons because I can't speak their experience, but I can tell you from what I saw through the years, this mom was in a lot of pain, had a lot of issues, but she loved those boys and those boys were so attached to her. And I think about them every day and I think, how are they gonna, I mean, it makes me very upset, but I think, how are they gonna like, be okay. Like, how are they going to do this without their mom? What are they going to do? And I know she was the kind of mom that would talk to them. She, she would be the kind of mom that would put a note in your lunchbox. Like she's just that kind of mom. Um, so as you're talking about your grandfather, I'm thinking, so what, if I were going to sit down with them and talk to them, because I haven't talked to the boys since their mom passed away. I know that one of the mom's saw the boys and I asked how's Max and she said what did he say she said he said you know like it's pretty hard but we're just kind of we're just kind of moving through life it was something like what he said that and like I said in the beginning of the show it's she's not even been gone for a month they don't really know that she's gone if that makes sense like there's a part of them that probably thinks they're going to see her again they're going to she's going to be here at Christmas so what do we, what do we say to them? Like, how do we? Yeah. You know, I was 17 when I lost my grandfather and I'm 64 now and it's, I still feel the pain, but I think the biggest mistake that was made for me is my father took it really hard. We were just talking about men taking it, the death of their father horribly. And my father took it bad. And it was to the point where I think he figured that us kids were okay and we weren't grieving. It didn't affect us because he felt it so deeply. And so I never got to talk about it. When I would start talking about my grandfather, he would turn away or change the subject or get upset about something else. And I would have to shut up literally. So I never had anybody in my life, except for a teacher at school, at my high school, who acknowledged what a loss it was for me and let me talk about it. And I probably should have been in therapy. But I was fortunate that I was so close to my grandmother and was able to talk about it with her. And she really helped me through it. But I think it's important that kids' pain be acknowledged, that they understand what death is, that they couldn't have saved um, the parent. Because for a long time, I said, you know, if I would have stayed at the hospital, I would have been there when he died. And my mother and grandmother both told me it wasn't your place to be there. 
And then I said, well, when you got sick, I should have just um, gone and lived with them and helped them. And I said, no, it wasn't your place. That wasn't your job. And it took me years to really understand that. But there's these sort of nuggets that help me not feel guilty or traumatized. And I replay some of those things that people told me. But the missing link was I wasn't just a kid. I was someone my grandfather loved and he was the light of my life. Like he taught me. So he was, he, he, he wasn't a husband, right. But he completed me in a different way because I didn't have a dad who completed me as a, a human who taught me things, who respected me and my voice. Like it was my grandfather. He was the one I went to. He was my go-to. And so no one gave me the voice to grieve. So maybe that's what we need to focus on with these two boys. We need to, as a community, make sure that they have ways to talk, even their friends, because I'm sure the kids, they don't know how to handle this stuff. The counselor at school, she's one of the people that I have talked to since uh, Amanda passed. And I think what you're saying is so important because I think now we know a little bit more about grief and mental health and that you can't just act like nothing, but like what you're saying is so important. It's, you have to, these kids need to be able to talk about her and, and say what they're thinking and express their feelings. I can guarantee you. And it makes me very sad because I can tell that you still can tap in or get in touch with this feeling of, I should have, I could have, I can guarantee you that's going to be one of the hardest things for these two boys. When they came home from school, their mom was unconscious. They found their mom. I can't even, and again, I do this for a living, but when it's somebody in my personal life, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I guess it's just different for me because I've known these boys since they were very little. And I, that, that's one piece that's sort of driving me nuts is how are they going to, how are they going to do that? How are they not going to feel like they should have, they could have. And again, like, we don't know what happened to her. Nobody knows. That's not something that's been discussed in the public. So there's that feeling of like, we don't even understand what actually happened. I don't know if the boys know, but I know that whether they know or not, they're going to feel like they should have and could have done something. So I think your message is important. And I think for people listening, if you are somebody that's lost somebody, if you are, if you're, if you've lost your partner or you have kids who lost a friend or your kids lost somebody, don't minimize their kids. That doesn't mean that they have smaller feelings. If anything, I'm not going to say they need more because I don't want to make it a competition, but they definitely need something that adults don't necessarily need. You needed people to remind you and say to you, you couldn't have done anything. And even at 64, as you talk about it, I can feel that there's still that tiny little part of you that can really still feel, remember feeling that feeling. And yeah. that's an awful feeling. It is. And, you know, you need to tell people who've lost someone, they are safe. They, they will get past this. It's not your time yet because there were, I, I would have just jumped in the casket with them. Um, and, you know, as an adult now, I've rationalized that his work was done here on earth. God took him. I have not learned the lessons that he did because he was a saint and I've not learned my lessons. So my time's not here yet. And I think it's important to give 
that voice and those messages, positive affirmations to those kids. And Sherry, you know what? This is such an important topic. I think we ought to do another show on it. So maybe we ought to have a part two of this because I've got so much more I want to say. And How you about- know, oh, you're so funny. We're like thinking the same thing. I'm thinking, I think when we come back next week, we need to talk about what are some things people can do to manage with traumatic loss. And we we need to talk about some of the people in this world who are t- taking their grief and transforming it into things that are about hope and change. So I think we definitely need to come back and I'm excited to pick up where we left off. Yeah. We'll talk about the symptoms and then turning the grief into positivity for a lifetime. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks so much for joining us today on Warrior Women Speak. It truly is an honor to be able to sit down with Judge Aquilina and have such meaningful conversations. Stay tuned. Each Monday, we will be releasing new episodes in the hopes that we will inspire, uplift, and instill hope. Be sure to subscribe now to at Warrior Women Speak. Until next time.